Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Proletariat Lariat. This is Maria. We took a few weeks off from recording just because everyone's been dealing with life stuff mostly. Um, but internally, we've been talking and getting some ideas for the podcast together. Like, we have, we're super excited about uh, some ideas and guests we have coming in and hoping to change up the show format just like a little bit. This week, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the drama that's been going on in the AEW world. Beyond the drama itself, uh, what it what it means for organizations if they grow too quickly and sort of the idea of viewer burnout. Uh, for now, though, how have you been, CB? We got to hang out in real life last week, and that was cool. Thank you, uh, Maria, the Sultan of Scissoring. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the, the, the passing it on. I'm doing great. Uh, I've been uh, working and doing a lot of working out. Uh, you know, people help me get a hand bike machine and I'm doing like 18 miles almost every other day. And it feels great. Um, and I'm just, uh, I'm just in a good place right now. How about you, DQ? Oh man, I got to follow up that super positive update. Uh, been doing okay. I get, um, Kind of helped uh, form a, a tenants association over at a hotel called the Grand Hotel here in downtown LA. A bunch of people who were um, accepted the offer to enter this thing called Project Room Key, which is supposed to lead to permanent housing. But um, big surprise to all who knows uh, the Los Angeles City Council, that didn't happen. And now there's uh, just under 500 people with uh, vouchers or what they call golden tickets to nowhere. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool getting things like that started up are always like, um, revitalizing, especially after some tumultuous, uh, weeks with some, some ultra libs, uh, kind of fucking up the fucking up the scene, but Doing, doing good. Glad to be here with you all. How are you feeling, Zach? Zach Attack? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, it's been, feels been a minute since we've all talked to each other. A few weeks, um, as Maria said. Um, I'm doing good. been walking a lot. Like, my average usually is like looking at my Fitbit or watch like 13,000 steps a day. Um yeah, it's a lot. Like I'm at five. Actually, it's gonna be. I'm not gonna get that much today. Um, other than that, like, just like finally now a rank and file member, not leadership responsibilities and organizing. I've kind of really checked out, and I finally like burned out completely. But not burned out of wrestling, podcasting, not for a while. I hope at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Yeah, which Zach was just saying, and CB a little bit too, kind of uh, reminds me that one thing we started in our mutual aid committee in LA and then expanded and started to work on that and sort of some of the newer groups that we're forming is a group exercise tracker. I think that's a pretty cool project if your group maybe has either like low capacity or doesn't maybe know each other that well yet. Um, It's something small to work on together that everyone can do in their own time, sort of hitting these monthly step goals together and feeling like you all achieve something together um, at whatever pace that might be. 
and always happy to share those templates. I think it's been really cool. Um, maybe your group would find it helpful too. But for me also, I've been pretty good. I've been taking a break from organizing. We've just been going through a lot of struggles inside of crap, honestly. Um, and that's been hard to go through and trying to like sort of figure out where where like the group made mistakes in our setup or what we could have done differently. Did we skip something? Figuring it out at the same time. So I think it's understandable that like things can go awry and maybe you have to reset and things like that. And it's for me at least been good to take a full break from organizing, um, starting to remember sort of like almost like what my priorities are again or something like that in organizing. It's hard to hard to remember all this stuff when you're in the moment and trying to just go, 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 you know? Um, so definitely in like reset mode mostly, taking it easy. But yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe we could also talk mm. about our, uh, you know, the highlights and the lowlights, the deletes and elites, if you will, <laughs> of the last couple of weeks of wrestling. Uh, or like any clips uh, people should make sure they watch or were super cool that you just stumbled upon. What are y'all into or not into? Uh, it's your boy CB again. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, I really thought the uh, National Scissoring, Scissoring Day promo was really great until it got to be like bipartisan promo politic time. <laughs> there's no left, there's no right. Mm -hmm. There's just scissoring. Uh, I really didn't like that, and uh, I know that Maria didn't like that either. Kind of, kind of lost her. Um, and then uh, I just, I feel like there hasn't been a lot of uh, like long-term things to drumming back to AEW. I'm watching AEW every week because I just like the people there, but there's no really long-term storyline. Uh, and there's been really cool moments. Uh, I really enjoyed the Bandito Jericho match. I was really not uh, excited about it at first because I had no idea who Bandito was. <laughs> I had no idea why Jericho and Bandito were wrestling. Uh, it was just very like sudden. Um, but then you know I enjoyed the match. So yeah, I'll pass it on to the next person. Um. Yeah, I, I like UCB. Um, have really enjoyed this like final rung of ascension uh, for the acclaimed. Uh, like many of us on the podcast, maybe all of us uh, was into acclaimed along the way, and was was famously in our chat where it all goes down had had um, predicted they would win these titles before the end of the year, and then it happened so quick. But um, yeah, the other thing about this week, the scissoring, the, on the rap, he made fun of Biden's stutter, which is like, oh man, there's so many things to dunk on this guy for, like, don't go after, like, you don't have to make fun of, like, him stuttering, like, just, you trying to make him, like, a sympathetic, you know, like, but I mean, otherwise, everything they claim to doing right now is so good. And then, and maybe above all, like those two matches with Swerve and Our Glory were just like so fun. And like, you know, they probably should have lost that first one, which they did. And then they got the second one, and everyone loved it. 
Um, I will just say as a D, as a D, that was my elite. My D elite, though, I watched this old Macho Man uh, Andre the Giant match from a Saturday night's main event. And um, sometime in 1988, so Macho Man was champion, uh, world champion then in WWF. And it was just so bad the way the way they they used to get out of like Andre matches, especially when he like wasn't fighting Hogan, but like when he'd fight like Warrior or Savage in these matches that weren't, you know, they'd just be like at the Garden or something. It was just they made Andre look like such a fool because he was like in the middle of this storyline with jake the snake where like andre was so scared of snakes and like he'd literally like pass out and like hold his chest like he was having a heart attack. so like jake brought the snake down and just caused this like double dq i think it was just oh double dq that's that's my podcast when i go solo but they, <laughs> it's just so bad it's just and they're so they're both so good i mean andre in 88 wasn't at his peak or anything but such a drag but that would that would be my delete just dunking on two dead wrestlers uh 30 years ago i've been like in the last few weeks of aw like it's just been interesting like how like things have adjusted as long as like with the suspensions right now and who knows when that'll be over like i'll say for this week specifically i did really like the mjf wheeler yuda match and like the dynamics afterwards with like uh Lee Moriarty and the firm coming out is like to beat the crap out. And I kinda of like the idea that like maybe MJF is gonna like go against the rest of the BCC in the lead up to like facing mocks. And oh I mean unless Hangman wins, which he might, so who knows? But uh yeah, I, I really like the uh, MJF coming back after like hundred and twenty nine days. Uh, on its little vacation and readjusting. Um, my Dealey, um, I've actually been enjoying the show a lot, so it's been hard for me. Um, you love everything. I do. I, I don't, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, have the lowest bar, you know, I am very low bar per, I like being entertained. I just don't, I'm like, it'll be our t- main topic, like just the, the social media, just like, has ruined wrestling in my, like, it feels like mm. enjoying it, like, but, um, from the show, I don't like Jay Lethal. I'll say that. I just like I just get bored when I see him. So yeah, that was my delete. <laughs> oh. Wow, singling out a specific person. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Going yeah. hard. Yeah. But I think similar to CB, where. I'm, I'm sort of feeling this disjointedness and <laughs> not really understanding exactly what the plan is almost in AEW right now, um, which makes it hard to watch a little bit, I guess. Like we're seeing in our local organizing group crop, um, we had this sort of like rapid growth. We were so excited about it, I, or at least I was so excited. I was like, you know, we have like 30 some people. This is so cool. Um, and it can often feel like you have to add everyone to an organizing group just because you like them without taking the time to really examine like what you want to build or what you actually have in common, um, what role everyone's going to play. And I think that's, it kind of feels like that's what AEW is going through too right now in some ways. Like AEW when it first launched had, or I guess has a lot of promise just like as a concept and Tony Khan 
is obviously like a huge wrestling fan himself and he gets excited about this stuff like i'm on board i get it again we made these what i think are similar mistakes um like i get why he wants to add all these wwe wrestlers uh but also right now 15 to 20 percent somewhere in there i think of the AEW roster is wwe and like we see him buying ring of honor or this trademark they filed for all elite women and that's for like a women's division that honestly hasn't been totally built up right beyond a few stars really in my opinion um and i would be personally super excited about the idea of all elite women i don't think the women's division gets enough time on air um so i think that's cool but also it leaves me wondering sort of about the intentionality of things or if it's just like running with every idea almost it feels like you know i don't know if we're if all elite or if tony khan are thinking about you know who the people are he's adding what everyone can bring in what role everyone can fill or what role everyone even wants to do um which is leaving us kind of in this sort of weird um rapid growth spot if that makes sense um you know and again this is something we're seeing locally too and it it caused the group to have like more than a few problems in fact you know um and i think that's maybe some of what we're seeing in the backstage drama right now or at least one of the causes behind it yeah that uh you bring up an excellent point and it just made me think about the dsa 100k campaign uh <laughs> you know that was a big thing and we tried to recruit as many people as possible uh and I know in my chapter, we didn't have anything to plug those people into. We didn't have any support to uh, bring those people on board. Mm. And so we had all these people and then they checked out um, and left. And it feels like that is happening to the AEW roster. Uh, last I checked, there was like 150 people, <laughs> men, 150 men on the roster. Uh, and like, I, I would say on a on a, sh a weekly basis, you're maybe seeing twenty or thirty of those, you know, guys on on the shows, and that's not enough time for anybody to get going or build themselves up or work their craft or you know build new stars, which AEW desperately needs with all the shenanigans going on with uh, CM Punk. Um, and uh the elite and <laughs> apparently now andrade uh you know just to bring this back to organizing you have to give people something to do so that they can uh get experience uh build their skills uh and step up from when other people want to step away or do self-care or you know resynchronize themselves yeah i was thinking like it's almost like an algae bloom sometimes where you get like very nutrient rich source of water to explain this concept <laughs> just algae just grows sucks up all nutrients and just deoxifies everything because it sucks up all the oxygen and just becomes a dead zone um i don't think it's AEW's in that bad position nor like i can think with uh pittsburgh dsa specifically like experience wise like 2017 we grew a lot like we had a lot of people we thought would be members for a while 
but it turns out a lot of them, like, we had a bunch of libs, too, that were just, like, in it for the electoral stuff, and then they, once they saw the next thing to grift on, they kind of left, and a lot of structures have just become, like, when you don't have, like, internal organizing going on, things just start to rot away, and you lose people, and don't have, like, backup leaders, it kind of just becomes a feedback loop. Um, FAW. I'm like opinion like sometimes like a big roster is not the biggest problem like they have dark and they do like get some reps for like elevation and whatnot. Um, they do seem to be doing better with the women's division like I think the last few weeks there's been consistency like in showing the same not just Brit but like Tony Storm's just been consistently presented so she's a champion she's presented and like doing matches and doing shit and now they had willow win which was really nice to have like someone not like the same three people have won um yeah um with aw it's just like and like with the wwe people being hired it's just like a case where people bring up the xwe but it's like doesn't help last like six years wwe just stockpiled all the best indie wrestlers yeah, I think we've been talking about this from the beginning, almost with um, AEW in specific, like how many wrestlers they had signed, um, whether they were from WWE or not, like just so, just such an influx. And it's exciting. It's cool that people are going to get paid, but also what's the program going to be like and, and are people actually going to get highlighted and when you bring people over from WWE, the other big organization in the States, you know, with with nothing to like, like CB was talking about, nothing to plug people into, so to speak. We just get a wrestling show where often, you know, we get like the, the unofficial like leaders. Like, you know, you end up with like six weeks of John Moxley main events and now that he's not doing it, we're getting so many Jericho main events. And it's nuanced because a lot of these guys now are having to, like, assert themselves and, like, make everything seem kind of normal. Like, we're a happy family, you know, this is our company and the Danielsons and Jerichos. Um, and the MJFs of the, of the AEW universe are stepping up and doing entertaining stuff right now in a really hard spot for them um but yeah the the organizing the organizing um analog to this just is so it resonates so hard because especially um during and after the the floyd uprisings like we in la just got so such a huge influx of of people who wanted to organize all of a sudden and I, as like some, you know, whatever, not not a leader, but someone who had been in like groups before then, just kind of found myself having the attitude of like, well, they, these people are ready to go, and they're they're more radical than I am, and have like more organizing skills than I do. Let's just go, and it's then you realize like things can just quickly just get run into the ground, and if there's nothing set in place before that, all comes through then when you do try to stop and organize together or like restructure 
people take it as an affront, you know, because they have this idea now of what what the organization should be. I'm not. I don't want to tell the people setting to AEW. It's your fault for signing to AEW. You should know what it looks like, and um, it's just it's just kind of a problem that I think uh, you almost need to cut losses more and restructure and just try to learn from all this because if if you don't have a mechanism with all these backstage fights and stuff going on in AEW to actually kind of like discipline or like do any kind of restructuring now you know it's really hard time to do it during conflict but yeah that's that's what was on my mind um you know like it's like you need more than just that one issue or one thing in common or just the immediate project because maybe you might have different conceptions of what that actually looks like in practice or what the actual goals are. And it's just going to lead to conflict further down the line if you don't actually just talk about the thing to begin with. As we try to form new organizations, especially I think ones that exist in a post-DSA world kind of, um, you know, a lot of people have quit, but we don't have the same project as everyone who left. Everyone who left may be mad for different reasons or learn different lessons or haven't even taken the time to learn or think about what lessons they learned, you know? Um, that can lead us to falling into the same mistakes, the same traps of where we came from. If that's the only thing that's uniting us is simply we left DSA or anti-DSA or something like that. Because like locally, I think we ended up repeating some of the same mistakes uh, that we saw other people doing because people didn't have that space to think about what or how we wanted to do differently or how we wanted to grow differently. Um, and in AEW, I think we're seeing the same personality clashes and fights and honestly, like, so, and like so much of the same stuff as in WWE because we're just transposing the problem when we keep adding people over um, instead of thinking about like what made any of those people quit or what were the clashes that were happening that like, led to fights over in WWE. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point, Maria. Um, And to bring this back to the wrestling part of this, like uh, during the Monday Night Wars, WCW is basically importing a lot of ex-WWE guys. Um, And we all know where WCW ended up, uh, you know, because no one cared about the storylines because everybody was just... It was just the same guys winning over and over and over again. Uh, there was no, there was no build up to, uh, you know, homegrown stars except for Jericho. I think Jericho went from WCW to uh, WWE, uh, and then basically launched himself into the stratosphere of goatness. Um, <laughs> as much as I hate Jericho, <laughs> I think for organizing and being in an organization, you have to have a sense of community. And you can't just be not something. You have to be for something. You have to like forge an identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't really feel like. I think that AEW is kind of there, but they're still kind of flopping around a little bit. And that I think it's mostly Tony's fault. Because uh, I he's got some really sure. talented people on the roster. Like, there's no doubt about that. But I feel like. Because Tony's the owner, uh, and he's also like the hyper organizer. You know, 
the super organizer who thinks they can do everything themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently he's writing social media uh, content. Like, who who does that if they're an owner? <laughs> so, uh, it just, it sucks. Um, you gotta learn how to delegate. Yeah, like, it's the way of, like, seeing where AW, like, is closer to, like, reaching the goal of, like, the other setbacks, I think. Like, being different from WWE, like, just being anti-WWE, like, there are some, like, being anti-WWE does have some differences that can be pretty big and substantial. Like, big one is, like, scheduling, where, like, or actually allowing the independent contractors to be independent contractors. Ideally, they'd be employees in the union, but, like, if you're going to, like, have them be independent contractors, you should let them take outside bookings, unlike WWE, which says it just as a way to avoid labor laws um the uh other thing is like they schedule they don't do house shows they don't like overbearing their wrestlers making them work like constantly and let them break down um there is always this course about like aw not using writers like which WAE famously uses writers which i can give or take on that like people like overestimate like because some people are just not good that's a more of a talent uh preparation i guess yeah but the point i'm getting that uh, point is like i think some stuff gets overblown like um yeah i think aw's skirting um a little close to this just being that wwe um with a couple things um with mjf talking about so much of talking about um might just take my my business to wwe and then also with Paige or soraya um coming in and just like complaining about oh now i have a boss who will listen to me there's just there's just a little bit too much of that like energy it's like cb's right and wcw even even before the the NWO and stuff started up, you know, they were signing all the old WWE guys and just basically carrying over the same gimmick, you know, Hulk Hogan just started killing everybody. It's just like, yeah, we've seen this for the last 10 years. Like what else you got? But yeah, hopefully, hopefully they, they get away from this and cause, um, there actually did seem to be a lot of like unique, uh, energy that was very uh that this wwe just doesn't have um at the start of AEW. one thing austin had said earlier in the chat too was like you know if andrade or malachi or any of these guys want to leave that's that's okay tony should just let them go if the choice is like they're going to be here and be upset and cause problems or they could just go like it's okay for us to say also that like maybe i like you as like a person but we have different organizing goals right now it's okay if we're in different groups like it that is not necessarily a bad thing Mm -hmm. to be in different groups um and have different goals so whether tony lets them go or they decide to walk or whatever i i think that's actually just neutral in the like the actual thing of being in different spaces is neutral yeah and speaking of uh walking away we're gonna talk about work shoots next uh one of the famous work shoots of all time was when 
I think it was Bret Hart, and you could probably correct me on this, showed up to the WCW show with the WWE belt and threw it in the trash. Um, maybe one of either DQ or Zach can correct me. Um, go ahead, Zach. I think it was uh, the women's championship. I think it was Audrey Blaze who famously went to drop the women's championship in the garbage. But, Thank yeah, you. It's, yeah. One, one final but, correction, Alundra Blaze. Alundra Blaze, thank you. Medusa <laughs> Go for it, <laughs> Wow, okay, I'm getting ganged up on. It's all right. Well, I was uh, corrected from me correcting you. Yeah, yeah, no, no. This is we what we're here it. for. We're, we got it. We support each other to make sure that we're right. Um, but let's just uh, let's talk about what a work shoot is. Pretty simple. Like a shoot is like when something's real. That's like the wrestling term for inside term for like a shoot fight is like like the Montreal screw job is like a classic example where like Vince like shoot like uh, gave Shawn Michaels the win. It wasn't plan- pre-planned. A work shoot is when after a shoot happens or something, and they side like they cool off and they say. Or they said, oh, we can use this as a launching pad for a storyline, make some money. Um, I'm trying to think of good work shoots. Like uh, the CM Punk pipe bomb leading to Money in the Bank, where he was threatening to leave the IDE um, with the belt. Um, yeah, basically, if people don't know them uh, who are listening, yeah, oftentimes in wrestling, there's, they're working. So there's like, on the spectrum of like working which is like you know uh you attacked me backstage last week now this week we'll fight you know the 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 fight backstage you know was worked and shoot um so like what cb had brought up um bret hart was leaving for um, wcw back in 97 and um vince mcmahon who ran ran I guess we can now say ran WWE. Good riddance, rest in peace. Um, he, um, he went out and called for the bell in the middle of the match and gave the victory to Shawn Michaels, and that was that was a shoot. That was that was uh, Bret Hart was not working when he lost that match. So work shoot is essentially uh, people taking real life kind of stuff that a lot of the the fans who are smarter now more than ever now that we have access to the internet and people's personal lives so um for instance there was a wrestler named edge and matt hardy so probably at least a decade ago uh, where edge started dating somebody matt hardy was with uh, lita uh, had left Matt Hardy for Edge, and instead of separating the two, WWE decided to do a worked shoot and ran a storyline on uh, that was just all all kinds of levels of ridiculous. And uh, but maybe it was just wasn't for me. But they, they basically you're toying with reality now, and the fans are kind of left to wonder: Is this a work or is it a shoot? Uh, it's a worked shoot. Yeah, so the reason we're bringing this up is apparently, and we're getting this all secondhand or thirdhand like everybody else uh, in in the world right now. Uh, Andrade El Idolo, and I apologize for our Spanish-speaking uh, people out there. My accent is horrible. 
Um, he gave an interview to uh, Moss Lucha, a, a, a Lucha blog, where he was talking about wrestling in general. And he said that uh, one person complained that he hit too hard. And uh, apparently he said Sammy Guevara's name. Um, at the time, that uh, video had only 7,000 views. And apparently somehow Sammy Guevara found out uh, and started tweeting about it. Uh, which led to Andrade tweeting about it. Uh, which led to everybody else tweeting about it and posting it on Reddit. And then come Wednesday night, uh, for some reason, uh, AEW personnel, staff, whatever, don't think to keep the two separate. Uh, and Andrade was apparently waiting for Sammy and uh, threw a couple punches. Um, we should point this out that he's probably trying to get, he's been unhappy uh, with his current position in AEW because like everybody else he's not getting on tv he's not getting to wrestle um it's also worthy it might be worthy to point worth it to point out that uh he's married to charlotte flair um who's a wwe superstar um so maybe he wants to go back there uh you know but uh it's it's not really a good quality for aew to be having it's not uh good for the viewers um and i'd like to hear everybody else's thoughts on this yeah there's some things that are kind of funny with it like this is after roosh just got like andre worked really hard to get roosh like a contract uh someone who like notoriously uh kind of does the same shit that andre's alleged to do like um just being crazy a little bit like this and like wanting to start fights and um it's uh, makes there's some. It's like it's like the. It, I will say it's like this is the worst part of being a wrestling fan. Sometimes when you like follow stuff online, it burns you out. Like trying to find like the backstage drama of everything because it just makes you. It's just so exhausting. Um, makes me think it's more of a shoot. Like if I'm gonna like do like the work shoot stuff, because like both of them are heels, like. It was a podcast where, like, Andrade also said he actually likes uh, AEW's schedule more than WWE. So it's not like he was shitting on AEW. He was just shitting on Sammy Guevara, really. <laughs> and AAA, because AAA's fucked him over. Because they prevented him from going to Forbidden Door because of uh, New Japan CML politics. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, I... I'm just gonna, I don't believe anything until things happen at this point. <laughs> yeah, I I feel that whirlwind kind of thing you're uh, you're talking about Zach because this this is it does burn people out. This and AW had kind of a cool opportunity to to kind of utilize the work shoot. Um, there, there was like a really brilliant one, maybe, maybe the best one since the Brian Pillman, uh, sweepstakes you were talking about, uh, Zach with, um, MJF. Um, this was earlier this year and he got really upset cause he all of a sudden was very popular and wanted more money and 
they went out and did this like profanity laced promo in the middle of the ring and they cut his mic off and then disappeared for months and everyone's like wow is he really with the AEW? he he was like there's no way they're gonna let him even start this promo you know like it was just done so skillfully and and then them most of you probably know if you're listening um cm punk and kenny omega and young bucks and some others got into a, a real a shoot backstage fight as far as we know and all of them had their titles they all had titles singles and trios titles that were taken away and never explained online so it kind of takes this work shoot thing and all of a sudden thrust us into this very real world where like legal um kind of like legal matters can't let them explain on air mjf is rushed back onto tv um to do a feud with wheeler yuda i don't think so like there's no way that's what the the plan was um i think bringing him back for like a title shot was was obvious because he was going to be catapulted by this um storyline of him leaving um into a major like a, the popularity stratosphere he's in now is is at the very top with the champion but um they've just played with reality so much now that if you are doomed to be online you know looking for wrestling uh, backstage news you're just gonna be screwed around with every which way and i mean that as as goofy as this stuff is, we all if we're listening to this, we love we love watching it. It is it's about the big gold belt that that one person is holding, and if it's not going towards that, um, then the the whole story is kind of like too mixed up in in these people's personal lives. And at a at a certain point, you know why sh why should we care? You know I don't want anyone to really get beat up beaten up backstage you know like someone waiting for someone behind the scenes ready to really punch them like that sounds like a huge breakdown in in um diplomacy and morale and um it's, it's pretty much the opposite what i'm watching wrestling for one of the things dq just touched on too was like tony came up after the um pay-per-view on the next episode and was like you know, we have these two vacated belts, but he never went into what happened or why. And it's like, so then it kind of like leaves it, first of all, to the fans to, again, go online and try to piece together these stories. And like, it makes it harder to watch the show if you're not doing that because you're like, wait, why? What happened there? Um, and I think that that also contributes to burnout when you're like trying to keep up with something, but you don't understand what decisions are being made or why and then you end up down this huge other puzzle that you then have to solve for without having any of the information about like what decisions were made why they were made or what might have even happened or what the truth was um you know and again i, I think these are parallels with our organizing experiences because like we'll you know especially for new people or people who are just trying to only have like so much capacity to contribute to to an organization um you end up not getting pushed out by the organization itself when there's a lack of transparency because you're like i don't understand why we're focusing on this thing i don't understand why we stopped doing this project 
these things are just happening and I seem to have no control over them or no under like there's nothing to learn from it there's no reflection on what happened so I don't mm -hmm. like you're not giving people the opportunity to understand what is actually going on of some minds of this like I do think that sometimes like there should be some faith in the wrestling fan to like under like like with some stuff that happens like with being able to look up like it shouldn't be like just spoon fed all the time sometimes obviously it's different like in different contexts like maybe Tony could have explained more but it felt like such a big story that everyone was kind of knowing about like the CM Punk meltdown and like everything was on like social media and like news sites and stuff and YouTube like it was getting on like random people's YouTube it was getting on sports channels like I saw like some stuff like that it was uh some of like there should be some faith in the i think tony has a lot of faith in his viewer base to like figure out what's going on in his brain sometimes but sometimes that can not every viewer is like me where i'm like tony is like booking towards me i feel sometimes where it's like he knows that my brain just works like this where i just know everything for some ungodly reason um but like, yeah, it's like when in organizing spaces, it's like I've had the thing of like trying to explain years of Pittsburgh DSA drama to new people. And somehow they just like say, oh, that's fucked up and they just move on. Uh, but like it can be very exhausting for both me and like the person listening. But yeah, uh, let, let's just back up a bit, uh, Zach, because um, uh, you said that the the viewer the, Tony needs to have more faith in his viewers. Um, right now, I feel like Tony isn't really doing that. Um, he's kind of just expecting them to know everything, like you or I or DQ or Maria mm -hmm. does. Uh, and I can tell you that a lot of people that watch wrestling are not like that. Uh, yeah. You know, I have my aides come over uh, sometimes when wrestling's on, and they'll sit down and check out a match uh, or, you know, watch a mic battle. Um, I think, uh, and to tie this back into organizing, you can't just expect people to follow along with you. Uh, you have to convince people to come with you uh, uh, on your projects. And I feel like Tony is just expecting people to just to, you know, uh, come with him. Uh, and that's just not going to work. People are going to tune out. Um, and like, the, like you just said, the drama is exhausting for both AEW and the fans, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You so can't have, uh, can't have Excalibur just like explain in like thirty seconds, <laughs> but just like going like Micro Machine Man. <laughs> yeah, during during a commercial. Like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the Excalibur impression by everybody. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's now I I can see to that. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so this is for for organizing. I think this is this shows how important things like retreats are. Um, you know, like Maria brought up, like actually like reviewing what's happened, um, trying to learn. You know what, like we did at the top of the show. What what were some deletes and elites from your last campaign? And um, it takes a whole group to do that, you know, in organizing spaces, there's no Tony unless you're in, um, what is it like Revcom where there's got like one guy at the top. <laughs> is that the one where there's like one dude at the top 
Bob. Bob Avakian. Yeah. Chairman Bob. Chairman Bob. <laughs> uh, so, in in a lot of our spaces, especially ones that like strive to be horizontal or or at least like be inclusive to the point of like um, to a certain point, um, there's no boss in the room, you know. And Tony has put so much on himself. Uh, Tony Khan in AEW has put so much on himself to book. Someone brought up doing the social media, which is a job and a half on its own. Um, but in organizing, it's incumbent on us to actually get together and talk about this stuff and not wait for a manager to enter the room or a boss to enter the room and say, okay, here's what we're doing now because um, it's not going to work. You know, some people take this stuff very seriously, the, the disciplines within, within the left uh, kind of spectrum of political thought and if, if it seems a little too dictatorial um, people are just going to check out so yeah that's that's the thing if you if you feel like you're you're kind of um, sailing on without a rudder you, pr you probably are but it's you know just make it a, a, a mission for the whole crew to if we're going to lean into the sailboat analogy to get the rudder uh back going or the sail up um because that yeah that one person's not always going to be there to do it for everybody and that's just one person's vision anyway which is i think why we have aw in the shape that it's in right now you know it is tony's fault but he can fix that by s spreading it out yeah and just to tie everything together um i think that aw has fallen into one of the classic organizing traps uh, you know, plan A didn't work out. Our organizing plan, our big cause, whatever, didn't work out. And we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to reflect on it. We're not going to write a report or anything. We're just going to move on. Mm -hmm. uh, or even worse, just keep doing the same thing mm -hmm. and expecting <laughs> yeah. different results. Um, like admitting failure is the worst, worst crime you can commit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we've seen this happen with, uh, you know, CM Punk being injured again, uh, you know, just doing the whole, having to do the whole tournament of champions again. I know that they had to, but it just, you know, it's rehashing stuff. And you can even see it in the women's division with Jade. I think the plan was, I don't know this for sure. I think the plan was for Chris Statlander to win the TBS title off of Jade. And then Chris Statlander got injured. And so they're going to keep the streak alive. But everybody is now kind of like tired of Jade's streak. At least I am. <laughs> but I'm happy for Will and Nightingale. Um, so I think to bring this back to organizing, um, you need to learn how to pivot uh, and have backup plans if something doesn't work out. And I feel like AEW doesn't do that right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like they do have backup, uh, backup plans, but they're not well formed. Like they're just very quick backup plans that aren't really the. They're just like band aids to, uh, and just hoping like they can just stop the bleeding for a bit and like hope the scab forms and like just move on, <laughs> I guess. But that's like basically what you said. <laughs> One way um, they could have pivoted in a big way was. Um like you said that tournament of champions was a was a redo 
but put put the title on someone other than Moxley for crying out loud. I do like mm-hmm. that some people have stepped stepped up and you know become the rocks for this. But you know, imagine if like uh, let me throw out a name here. Who do we love? And the men's singles. Um, and what if, Starks? What if Ricky Starks or Daniel Garcia had won? You know, like maybe maybe they're not quite ready, but what does that mean? You know, they they're they had an opportunity. You know, there's a way to pivot, and maybe they're doing that behind the scenes now. But that that could have been a spot where they could have done something kind of adventurous. It could have just been Danielson that could have won it because that'd be different. He's never won a championship, and he's like a guy that can draw. Like it's like unfortunate, but like the reason they go with the Moxley or like guys like that are just like they need a guy that they know draws, and it's like Garcia's getting there. Starks, I think, is more to it. Like up to that point, when Starks is like closer to that level. Garcia, I think, is gonna win our way to championship. I think it's, that's where the end point is with that whole storyline. But yeah, they could just give it to Danielson. It would be no different than like if he's different in the sense that he finally is a champion. Yeah, that's it. That's a good point. Um, and then I think in a broader term, I uh, I think all of us would like to see way less drama in AEW and less drama in our organizing spaces. <laughs> and one way to do that is to get the fuck off social media. Uh, <laughs> Because social media is ruining this country, the world, uh, everything else, and apparently now wrestling. Um, <laughs> you know, thou shalt not post. Um, but please subscribe to our Twitter, you know, follow our Twitter <laughs> and uh, subscribe to our podcast. So, uh, any thoughts on that, Maria? No, I, I mean, I think it's. Again, similar to our organizing spaces where it's like you have to actually talk to the people you are having a problem with. It's okay to have any of these sort of conflicts that these guys are having. But like if you're just talking about other people publicly or calling them out in some way, like that's not going to actually improve your situation at all, in fact. And like we actually have to deal with the things that are happening in front of us Um, instead of just talking around it or pretending it's about something else that it isn't or distracting ourselves into some other new project by like say starting up whole new leagues instead of fixing our current you know promotion i think dealing confronting the thing criticizing ourselves and and having constructive conflicts with other people is so important yeah i think like like the Sammy Andrade thing. Like if Sammy just went, like he saw what Andrade like said, because it got posted on Twitter. Because like some like Lucha blogs were translating it and posted on Twitter. If Sammy just went to like Christopher Daniels or Tony Schiavone inside and said, "Hey, I want to like have a call in about this," and like was this a, was Andrade approved to have like interview with this guy? Because that's also a thing like that. Like people who interview have to get approval. Um, like having that, like instead of like just posting, like being immature about it on Twitter and escalating it, and like because he has like a weird parasocial relationship with fan, it creates like these weird stand culture type bullshit where people just become just unhinged about like supporting people they don't know really, and they just like 
it just like escalates and like it just leads to Sammy getting punched in the face a bunch of times. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, people need to log off. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't always like the the word touch grass, but some people just need to fucking touch grass about like social media and like it's not the real world. Real world is the world we're touching right now. It's not what you're seeing on a screen. If I want to get deep and philosophical about that. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, um, I think it speaks to, to the, um, the addictive quality of social media and probably a lot of like you know, real life alienation people um, experience that like sucks them into it um, where social media does become people's lives you know and it does feel like a place where they can get justice um, amongst all the other things that you know they they do on there they have friendships they get excited they get upset um, but it's uh, yeah at the end, at at the end of the day, um, it's just social media, and um, I think a lot of you know whether it's an organizing or wrestling or whatever, just asking yourself like what what's my desired outcome here, um, and what what would be the kind of the most efficient way to get that, and if like. It's to resolve something between you. Like say if Maria and I got into one of our famous feuds and it spilled out, it spilled oh. out, it spilled <laughs> out of this recording. And we, you know, the, if I went to Twitter, everyone would just be like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Why didn't you two just talk? Um, and that's how, you know, that's how ridiculous it is too. With like, when you see it happen with other people, like, they probably were close at some point and then something happened and they felt like it couldn't, you know, they couldn't uh, talk to each other for whatever reason. But in the organizing space, it just kills me because literally the cops and the feds are just like, it's like chumming the waters, you know, you're literally letting them know how your lefty organization can be infiltrated and kind of like poked and prodded so now they got a playbook for all the drama the internal drama and like if your work is or if your group is doing anything of consequence or like substance guaranteed they're they're following you like we got a local group called stop lapd spying um who whose name says what their work is about um getting rid of the the surveillance state they just did a, a records request on emails uh sent from the lapd with talking about them and they got a response saying there were too many uh to fulfill the request so guaranteed you know this is like a group we many of us here in la like work with or know about like they're watching and like uh they also found out that um, the LAPD had something on record about a, a, a webinar that they did. Um, I think it was last uh, winter. And so, yeah, that, I mean, we just got to like, if you're in the movement, um, this is not necessarily tied to wrestling, but if you're in the movement, you know, thinking about this group that you hate, maybe you hate them 
but they've got you know they've got a function they're trying to get some radical shit done that may you might roll your eyes at their techniques or who's in the group but far better to let them you know try to get their shit done than to like just give a cop a, a key to the room <laughs> you know what i mean and i and with this wrestling stuff it's just similar shit it just breaks down and gives away all your trade secrets and it's just like there's some there's a group called surge s-u-r-j i went to one of their seminars on something related and they're just like take the literal term of calling in what what do you do call somebody in call them call so get on the phone and talk to your talk to your people uh i just want to say thank you everybody for showing up tonight uh and uh to sum up everybody should log the fuck off uh <laughs> top guys out but um before you log out or log off i wanted to make sure we gave a shout out to our world champ our international champ austin um we gave him the belt and then he went mia um but um seriously though uh austin i know has been working on a project in puerto rico and obviously puerto rico uh struggling and fighting through decades of um, colonialism and imperialism and militarism now being hit with another hurricane that hurricane also took out the some of the walls and windows on a mutual aid project austin some other folks have been working on down there that was designed to help um in particular puerto ricans on the smaller islands build capacity around um, shelter and also being able to actually access or create more easy ways to access healthcare on the big island where they have to go if they need healthcare. And so I know the hurricane has had actually taken out some of the windows and roofing of the building they've been working on. Right now they could use, um, you know, any amplification or donations uh, right now. Uh, their Twitter is at Centro underscore SPR. That's for the Centro Solidario Puerto Rico project. And I know they have a donor box as well, um, but I'm sure any type of attention or spreading the word, um, talking about what's actually happening down there um, would be super helpful for them. Thank you, Maria, for bringing that up. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in and listening. And thank to see you guys for being a part of my community. <laughs> Likewise. So.